Rev it up and welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 2002. Be prepared to be inspired. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Hello, inspiring automotive enthusiasts, and welcome to Cars Yeah! Today I'm in beautiful Santa Cruz, California. Should have brought my surfboard with a very special guest by the name of Rob McGinnis. Rob, welcome to Cars Yeah! Do you have it in gear, and are you ready to release the clutch? <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you. Yes, I am. Uh, thanks for inviting me. You're welcome. Now, before I give you a proper introduction, and we're going to dive into a very, very interesting business and world that you're living in that is really poised to revolutionize transportation. What's one little thing that most people may not know about you, Rob? Uh, just like a personal fact that no one, no one knows about well, me. Well, yeah, you don't have to give away your underwear size, but... Uh. <laughs> <laughs> All right, yeah, so one thing that, that uh, most people don't know about me is um, I kind of have an unusually high resistance to cold and, oh. and always have. So this is a, sort of a weird thing. There's a guy from Austria who's you know way more like that than me. But, but yeah, it's uh, the sort of thing where... Uh, when I was in the Navy, I used to swim in the San Diego Harbor without a wetsuit when I was like in the 40s. Ooh. And I generally don't wear a jacket almost no matter how cold it gets. And it's, I'm always like comfortable. It's a weird thing. Uh, that, that's sort of a personal quirk. Uh, it's coming handy. It's coming handy. Well, when you, yeah, and I'll, I'll mention that in your intro that you were in the Navy, and I want to thank you for your service very much. So, thank you. I grew up in San Diego and so saw, knew a lot of Navy people. In fact, when I was a kid, a friend of mine's dad was a rear admiral, and we got to go out on the uh, USS Ticonderoga. Oh, wow. Which was a fascinating day. Got to watch a movie. We got to eat in the officer's quarters, um, uh, jet airplanes. I mean, it was just really, really cool. But yeah, swimming, you know, I was a surfer. So I grew up there, of course, I'd surfed in the wintertime, but we had wetsuits and booties and things. I can't imagine swimming in the winter in San Diego Harbor without a wetsuit. So this is just some way that your metabolism works. It just keeps your body warm all the time. Yeah, it's a weird thing. I mean, it, it it would be in the 40s, right? I mean, as you know, during the winter, it can and, get cold. Uh, yeah, I was I swam a couple of miles a week in it, and uh, everybody else on the, on our team would wear wetsuits. It's just a weird quirk. Wow, that's fascinating. Well, I wish I'd had that back when I was a kid and I was uh, surfing in the winter time because uh, yeah, sometimes you'd come in and not feel your hands or your feet and have that ice cream mm -hmm. headache, and it'd be like, well, that oh, was yeah. that wasn't very fun. <laughs> Yeah, it's hard, if it's harsh, if you're just sitting there. Well, sitting on a board, yeah, you're sitting on a board waiting to catch waves, and you, yeah, swimming's different. But well, that's fascinating, and obviously, being part of the U.S. Navy explosion, explosion, explosive ordnance disposal <laughs> team, uh, you've got to be a good swimmer. Was that related to the seals? Then were you a Navy SEAL, or were you a different part of the of the the guys that got in the water all the time? Because those SEAL guys, they got to be accommodating to water as well. Yeah, I mean they're really close. They have a they have a common origin. Mm -hmm. You know, after World War II, the underwater demolition teams turned into SEAL teams and explosive ordnance disposal, and they still work together really closely. So we do a lot of training together and ops together and stuff like that. So cool. and also a lot of cross training. Yeah, I as a kid again, one of my other friends' dads took us down to the beach, and we got to watch the seals train on the beach there mm -hmm. in Coronado Island, and go out and yep. yeah, you're just watching those guys in awe, going, "Oh my gosh!" I mean, thank goodness we have people like you and and them and all of our military that keep us safe and go out there and uh, put themselves in harm's way. Um, got family members in my family been in the military. My father-in-law was a 33 year Marine. 
Urah, kind of part of the Navy there, right? <laughs> nice. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So, well, it depends uh, who you ask. I don't know if the Marines think so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, we better not get in that argument. I, unfortunately, we lost him about eight years ago. But All yeah, right. we I always uh, had some fun uh, bantering back and forth because I had friends that were in the Navy and, you know, he would always throw things back and forth. But uh, all in good jest, uh, all very brave people. So thank you again for that service. I would love to give yeah. you a proper introduction here. Rob McGinnis is founder and CEO of Prometheus, Prometheus Fuel, a Silicon Valley startup that removes CO2 from the air and turns it into zero net carbon gasoline, diesel, and jet fuels that are superior to fossil fuels all at a lower price. That's right. You heard me right. We're going to learn about how he does this magic. Rob is the author of over 20 patents. He invented the first direct air capture CO2 to fuels process that can produce drop-in replacement for fossil fuels and has made breakthrough contributions in energy, nanotechnology, desalination, and water purification. As both an inventor and an entrepreneur. Rob's a veteran, as we said, of the U.S. Navy Explosive Ordnance Disposal Team. That's a brave thing to do. Holy cow. Where he was awarded a Navy Commendation Medal for Valor when clearing naval mines off the coast of Iraq. He's also a Ph.D. in engineering from Yale. Gee, not much of a high achiever we've got today, but I think we're going to be okay. Holy cow, dude. You're incredible. We'll be back in just a minute, but first a word from our valued sponsor, so give him a little time, and we'll be right back. I love Covercraft's new five-layer all-climate cover. It was developed and engineered for anything Mother Nature can throw our way. It's very soft, breathable, and easy to store and pampers your paint and interior surfaces, providing maximum UV, rain, dust, and snow protection. Add their gust guards for windy conditions for extra protection. Their five-layer all-climate cover is custom-tailored with Covercraft's attention to detail, form and fit with a quality and attention that's been their standard since 1965. Covercraft protects cars, trucks, motorcycles, RVs, trailers, and watercraft too. Every one of my vehicles is protected by a Covercraft cover. And I have a deal for you. Use the code ya 21 at Covercraft.com and you'll get 10% off your Covercraft order plus free shipping. That's right, 10% off and free shipping. Just type in the word yeah, Y-E-A-H-21 at checkout, ya 21 at Covercraft.com. Covercraft, protecting the things that move you. Most people don't think about their collector car insurance until their annual premium becomes due. Well, why wait and see if there are better options for your beloved rides? I didn't. Did you know if you change carriers before your policy runs out, your insurance company has to refund you the unearned portion of your policy premium? I did my homework, I shopped around, and I found American Collectors Insurance. And that's who protects my Porsche Turbo. That's right, the one I call my Orange Crush. They've been protecting collector vehicles since 1976. I encourage you to call my friends at American Collectors Insurance. Ask them about their agreed value policy. And if your collector vehicle is on your regular auto policy, you will be shocked at the savings, not to mention the assurance, should something bad happen to your ride, that you'll get what your vehicle is actually worth. Give them a call today for a quote at 866-ACI-YEAH. That's 866 866- 224-9324. Tell them you're a friend of Mark Green at Cars Yeah. American Collectors Insurance. Classic car insurance designed by collectors for collectors. Automotive enthusiasts just like you and me. That's American Collectors Insurance. Give them a call today. 
So, Rob, let's talk about what you're doing, because it sounds like voodoo magic to me. It's absolutely fantastic. But what I would like to start with first, though, before we get into what you're doing at Prometheus, is some of your previous career paths were just as admirable. Uh, You founded a company called Mattershift and also a co-founder of OC's Water. Am I saying that right? Oasis. Oasis. Oasis spelled the Y because that was sort of a clever thing to do at the time. Yeah, you're tricking me a little bit. Well, talk to us a little bit about those two ventures, and then we're going to dive into the magic, not so magic, the science of what you're doing at Prometheus Fuels, because fuels, alternative fuels, they are so important these days because we're on the cusp of some major things happening in the, the automotive transportation field. So, But let's start with what you're doing with some of your former companies, because I find that fascinating. Yeah, my first startup company was Oasis Water, and that was intended to improve desalination, right? Um, so water scarcity is something that I've long cared about. And and so uh, something I worked on as an undergrad, uh, also at Yale, mm-hmm. and then I did my PhD on it in the chemical in- engineering department there uh, under the environmental engineering program. And uh, essentially, the PhD sort of built a pilot system of this new desalination process that I had invented. And we launched. I launched a company uh, around it uh, called Oasis Water, and my co-founder was the first investor. And so we went out and raised um, $10 million A round in the middle of the financial crisis, Whoa! Uh, which was a hard thing to do. We yeah, ended no up closing, kidding. Yeah, we ended up closing in February of 2009. Oh, uh, that was and, a tough year. <laughs> yeah, I still look back and I think, wow, you know, uh, but we were able to, uh, to prove that this technology cut the energy and cost of high recovery desalination by over 50%. Oh my gosh. Wow. That's it's a big deal. Yeah. And it got implemented into full scale commercial installations, all mainly in China mm-hmm. uh, because they had a real appetite for environmental remediation technologies. And I, I left that after, after about four years when I approved the tech out and the team got built up and it went on to go on for many years after that. And, and then I started my second company called Mattershift. And the idea there was I wanted to create a new kind of membrane that would further improve desalination, but but also do other things. And, and in fact, I'm using the membrane I created in that company, in this company, Prometheus. Oh, wow. And so that was a, it was a carbon nanotube membrane. The, um, I've long been fascinated with membranes, with water. And the, the history of it goes back to Sydney Loeb uh, and the first desalination membranes that were made out of cellulose acetate. And they showed that you could desalinate seawater. Uh, and then uh, Dow Film Tech created a thin film composite. And, and now it's like the best and most produced desalination member in the world, but they were all based on sort of a mechanism that everyone in the academic community around membranes was predicting was going to be replaced by some next thing. And one of the next things was going to be carbon nanotube membranes mm. or maybe graphene membranes. And so I went on to create the first commercial carbon nanotube membrane and others have gone on to commercialize graphene. And so now those revolutionary new membranes are starting to impact things like water, purification, desalination, um, and that sort of thing. But what I realized that I could do with the carbon nanotube membrane is that it was sort of the missing piece in making synthetic fuels using solar power, wind power, and, and carbon capture from the air. And so I formed Prometheus and, uh, and licensed other technologies, created new patents, and so that's where we are today. So that's where we are today. So when I described in your introduction taking CO2 from the air and turning it into zero-net carbon gas, diesel, jet fuels, again, it sounds like voodoo magic to a layman like me and maybe to some of the listeners going, wait a minute, how does this work? How do you suck stuff out of the air and turn it into something you can put into a vehicle and, and power it? Again, it sounds like the, the future, but the future's here. So in best layman terms, how on earth does this work? 
Well, I mean, your listeners, I'm sure, are familiar with combustion, right? Yes. The oh, internal yeah. combustion engine. Yeah. Uh-huh. And so the easiest and probably best way to think of this is combustion in reverse, right? So if okay. you engage in combustion in the engine, you start out with oxygen from the air and gasoline. And then they turn into power for your drivetrain and CO2 and water vapor, right? That can go out as a fog or drip from your tailpipe. And so we go in the opposite direction. We take CO2 and water from the air and uh, power from solar or wind. And then we use uh, a catalyst to cause those things to turn back into gasoline. That's the simplest way to describe it. And, and as in the course of doing that, we also then release oxygen back into the environment. So these, these machines that scrub CO2 from the air also release oxygen. So they're kind of like miniature forests in a way. Wow. So why aren't we just doing this? And not we are doing it. <laughs> we, okay. Well, I think you know what I mean. I, you know, we're still yeah. pumping fuel or gasoline or oil and things out of the earth. And uh, as we all know, I mean, we need to find new and better ways to do this to not only protect the environment, but things that are reusable. And also, in your case, you're actually improving the environment while you're That's doing right. this, right? That's right. And the, our goal, you know, the mission of the company, the reason Prometheus exists is to replace fossil fuels with zero net carbon electrofuels as fast as possible. So how far away in your vision with what you're doing these days are we from this being, I know you're doing it now, but from it actually working so that we really change the way we think about power and fuel for not only cars and trucks, but sounds like aircraft too. Yeah, that's right. So, I mean, one way to think about the fuels we make is that they are a store of energy for solar and wind power, right? Mm -hmm. So instead of using lithium ions in a battery, we're using carbon and hydrogen uh, to form hydrocarbons because they're really amazing at storing energy. The energy density of gasoline is 40 times higher than a lithium-ion battery. And we already have all these trains and planes and cars and trucks that, that are designed to use that storage medium. The problem is that the gasoline, diesel, and jet fuel we've been using are from the ground. And so they're historical photosynthesis. And when we use them, they put new CO2 in the air and that warms the planet and causes problems for us. And so if we just get the CO2 from the air in the first place, then it goes in a circle and you're no longer adding any CO2. But now you can still use your uh, car or your truck that you love. You can still fly and travel. You can still adventure, you know, and and I think that we need to use more energy, you know, not less. People's lives improve the more energy we use. We just need to use better energy. Better energy. Yeah. You know, your website I found fascinating and I'll put links to to, uh, Rob's website on your show notes page so you can go find it. It's basically prometheusfuel.com i believe right prometheusfuels.com so there's an fuels. s in there s in there yeah. prometheusfuels.com yeah and the website is fun because when i first landed on it i thought wait is this like almost a cartoon site the way you've done the animation and i noticed you've got an old mustang there we're going to be talking about mm-hmm. i think your passion for cars in a little bit here but you made it very simple in my mind because i don't live in your world uh, to understand what it was you were doing. And I really encourage the listeners here to go and check out the website. You'll have some fun there. There's some really interesting ways that you're describing what you're doing. So if I was to ask about the future in your mind with what you're doing there, how far before we're actually implementing what you're doing and using it as fuel? Well, we're really close to launching commercially. Uh, it's much further along, I think, than most people suspect. I mean, all the things we're doing were proven on the bench, you know, when we started three years ago, mm-hmm. we went, uh, I wrote some new patents for how these things all fit together. 
but the carbon nanotube membrane was already commercially produced, and the um, the catalyst we used, we licensed from uh, U.S. national laboratories, and they were already proven, and there was already peer-reviewed publications on them. And so what we did is we took on the risk of scaling up, you know, these proven technology pieces, mm-hmm. because in the fuels and energy space, there's, there's a lot of aversion to tech risk. And yes. so when people <laughs> try to solve yeah. this problem, they've tried to use things that are already, like, fully commercialized in the language of um, energy development. They use technology readiness level. And, and people have tried to favor the most mature technology around this level, whereas we were taking stuff that was, wasn't mature yet. And, and so we're willing to take on that risk, but it wasn't really a technical risk. It was more like a scale-up risk and execution risk in the language of startups. Um, and so for the last three years, that's what we've been doing. And, and all of our systems are at, um, very, at or very close to full scale in terms of their components. And what we have to do is we have to package them all together, get a good integration, and, and launch. And of course, alongside that, we're trying to go through all the regulatory approval processes. As you know, you can imagine, you can't just uh, open up a lemonade stand and start filling tanks yeah. with gasoline. <laughs> Literally, <laughs> in the, yeah, in this country, you really can't open a lemonade stand in most cities. You got to have a permit. You got to have food handling. I mean, it's just ridiculous. But I understand what you're saying. What you're doing, yeah, we need to know that what you're doing is safe and and right and all of the other things. But again bureaucracy, boy, that slows down a lot of stuff. Well, it hasn't slowed us down so far, and I hope I hope it won't. I mean, of course, you, you want to have your jet fuel be uh, in accordance with ASTM regulations. You want your, your gasoline jet fuel to be in alignment with uh, your state regulatory agencies and EPA and stuff. So, so our fuels are expected to be much cleaner burning and much better in general. We obviously know they're good for the environment in a broader sense, but they're also just, they're synthetic fuels, so they're super clean. They don't have any sulfur, they don't have any benzene or anything like that in them. So we just have to sort of make that case, get through the regulatory process. It hasn't slowed us down so far. The thing that slowed us down so far is COVID, oh. uh, which is which is why I hesitate to give predictions on a calendar. <laughs> right. Oh, yeah. Is it, o- is it almost over? I, I don't know. It doesn't seem like it. Uh, yeah, just when they, we think we're free, we're not. But a few good things have happened. Just the day we're recording this yesterday, the UK said, hey, no more mass mandates. It's not working. We don't need any more. Hopefully some others will follow. But, you know, we'll see. We're all crossing our fingers because, yeah, this has just done irreparable damage in so many ways. Obviously, it's taken lives, too. But certainly a challenge. You know, one of the things I've had a lot of people on this show lately that are in the EV world, they're battery technology, people creating new technology around batteries. Of course, we see the big push towards EV uh, electric vehicles. Uh, but you're doing something different that wouldn't require that. Do you see what that what you're doing, it will be working in conjunction with that? Because, you know, this little outlet in the wall isn't so magic. That electricity has to be created somewhere, and in some cases mm-hmm. is done with coal. Uh, in my state, we have a lot of hydro, which is nice, but most of the world doesn't. So can you see that working to power all these v- EVs as well? So, you know, we're, I think we're complementary to electric vehicles. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are a lot of reasons to like electric vehicles, but I think we can be faster. And I think we can be a lot better for uh, people who can't afford to buy a new car, for example. Right? right. So maybe you like you like your car or you're on a budget and you don't want to buy a new expensive electric vehicle. We can de- decarbonize your vehicle overnight just by changing the fuel. Right. And so this is actually, if you want to look at the bigger economic picture. Yeah. yeah, Holy cow. Right. You just, wow. Those are some words. Holy mackerel. So instead of going out and buying a new car, which is expensive for most people and, and trying to get a charger put in, maybe you live in an apartment and you know, it's hard to get that sorted out. Or a city where you've got to park on the street. Yeah. Or, or just the problem of getting new transmission lines built right from solar somewhere near a city. Right. And then uh, batteries uh, on the grid and then putting in charging infrastructure Oh, All yeah. that involves more more taxes, 
Um, since so maybe that'll all still happen the same way because that's what people want. But I also think that um, it's faster and simpler and obviously a lot better for the consumer to just pull up to a different gas pump. And you didn't have to buy a new car. You didn't have to find a charger. The city didn't have to tax you to build all that stuff. Instead, what happened is that somebody who wanted to make an investment in a renewable resource, you know, went out and built a utility scale solar field. And then um, they used our machines, which we're planning on mass producing. And we hope to start doing that in 2025. Mm -hmm. uh, so really soon, um, they used that machine of ours, the Promethean Fuel Forge, uh, Titan Fuel Forge is what we call it, to, to make gasoline. And that gasoline was brought to you by truck or by pipeline or whatever. And then you just go and you choose that new gas. And, and it's the same price for maybe a little bit less. And it doesn't have the same volatility in pricing because you're not getting it from overseas. Right. You're, you're getting it from nearby and the cost is fixed. Wow. So, you know, instead of paying 550 all of a sudden, if you're in California, you know, yeah. oh, uh, you're, you're paying something more like 250 or $3 or whatever that, that sort of depend on kind of what it costs to put that solar in. And it stays that way. You know, so it's better for everybody's pocketbook. And it's, it, it can be a lot faster because, you know, uh, every ele new electric vehicle uh, decarbonizes one vehicle. Mm -hmm. But every Titan Fuel Forge will decarbonize hundreds of vehicles. You know, Rob, I'm going to call you Rob the Disruptor. <laughs> because that's why I was so excited to have you on this show. I went, wait a minute, I, this almost seems too good to be true in so many ways. And and that leads me to my next question, which we're going to get to once we take a, a short break for our sponsors here, and that is challenges. Uh, so keep that thought in mind, and we'll be right back. Wow, Rob the Disruptor, I like that. You listeners know that I'm a huge car care fanatic, and my friends at AutoGeek created their Wolfgang Deep Gloss Paint Sealant for perfectionists like you and me. Wolfgang, a deep gloss paint sealant, is designed to provide long-lasting protection and a glossy, slick finish that, well, it's unmatched. The use of polymer technology ensures your paint is protected from environmental contaminants, those damaging UV rays, and lasts up to three months long. By providing the glossy look of carnauba wax with the longevity of a synthetic formula, Wolfgang, a deep gloss paint sealant, is the best of both worlds. Go to autogeek.net to get yours for the best product selection on the internet today, along with their skilled technical support. Autogeek.net is where I go for all my detailing needs. That's Autogeek.net. I've discovered Linkage. It's a new quarterly publication and website that covers the automotive market, driving, restoring, collecting, and discovering your passion for motor vehicles. Linkage is about experiences, opinions, and values. Linkage is an actual, informed, reasoned opinion based on first-hand experiences. A talented Linkage team covers the automotive world, the people who share your passion and mine, smart, considered, rational, and experienced opinions, ones you can learn from and grow. That includes our passion that drives auctions and the collector car market. So come with me and join us on this journey. And be sure to use the code CARSYEAH when you subscribe, and they'll give you $10 off. Boom! Linkage, geared for the automotive life. Subscribe today at LinkageMag.com. All right, so let's talk about challenges here, because you've made it sound fairly simple, fairly easy, very clean, non-disruptive in many ways, but no doubt there's some challenges behind this, or there have been some. And I'd like to ask this question so that we can learn more about how you overcame them and what those challenges taught you uh, as a lesson. So uh, take us on maybe a little bit of a less smooth ride. 
Yeah, I mean, so specifically to Prometheus, it uh, could, the challenges. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So the the hardest thing about it is is um, prior to 2018, which is when you know the, the very end of that year, sort of really we think of ourselves as starting in January of 2019, but it was in the holiday period when we filed paperwork to start, mm-hmm. or I did. And um, prior to 2018, you really couldn't get funding for a project like this. You know, so that was the first challenge. And some things changed in that year. 2018 is when the the IPCC report came out and talked about how bad things were going to get in the climate within like a 10 year time frame, and that got people a lot more concerned mm-hmm. than something far far out in the future. Um, and uh, in Silicon Valley, a, a famous incubator called Y Combinator, uh, which has launched a number of really really successful companies, companies like Airbnb and Dropbox, um, they put out a request for startups, which says you know essentially come apply to us if you can do carbon removal. And so uh, I knew that I could, and I had all the pieces in place, and that was a signal to me that you could maybe fund a venture like this. And so I applied and got in. And, you know, the, the hardship begins as soon as you start trying to do the hard thing, right? So I had to build, <laughs> yeah. the, I had to build the first fuel forge by myself uh, with very limited resources and a very limited amount of time. And I would just work like a dog. I mean, I was working seven days a week, 14, 16 hours a day um, to build this thing. And, and, you know, I built it. It worked. We ran it for about a year and a half before replacing it with more modern components. But it was really rewarding as well because, you know, on demo day, which is when you kind of officially open up investment to, to angel investors in Silicon Valley, there was a huge response for us and there have been supportive ever since. But, you know, we, we went out to start building up a team and start gathering data with that first system. And we, we started doing demos in like January of 2020, which is the following year. And we ended up like getting our A round together and we closed it and this is sort of this is just like my first company right it's like we closed our a round in march of 2020 oh march which is of 2020. Which is the beginning, oh my the beginning gosh. of covid jeez you know you, you're tiny <laughs> you're a very smart man but your timing really sucks <laughs> it was rough it was really rough i mean no so you can't kidding whoa you can't pitch investors in person right and uh oil the oil market went negative for the first time right. i want to say ever yeah you know and, and so we're we're our whole business model is we go and sell a commodity at a lower price, you know, and people, people prefer it because it's a better product, right? Gasoline. Yeah. Um, and so when that commodity market goes to negative territory, it's not a good signal. Uh, <laughs> no, no, that was a weird time. Wow. Yeah. Boy, how, was, how when, what a short amount of time has it flip-flopped? You think, man, it's crazy. So essentially if you consider the, the funding for the A round to be kind of the beginning of being able to really start to grow, we've grown entirely within COVID. The, the era of COVID. Tremendous. Wow. That's awesome. And so, and so we had to shut down. And then we, uh, so all I had at that point was I had the one fuel forge that was like the size of, of a refrigerator that I had built. And I, we had a small team of like less than six people. And we had, a, I just got a 20,000 square foot uh, warehouse factory in Santa Cruz, California. And I bought a water jet cutter, which is this really big, really cool machine that oh, uses awesome. high pressure water. Yeah. Yeah. You've seen them, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. It uses, it uses high pressure water to cut through like anything, like six inches of steel. It's amazing. Right? It's amazing. Yeah. And so we were using that for our prototype components. It's fast. It's nimble. But what we did was we pivoted to making face shields for uh, healthcare providers. Oh, fascinating. Yeah. yeah. And within two weeks of hearing there was a need, we were shipping face shields to hospitals in New York City. You know, I'll tell you something. My hat's off to you because I had another guest on the show that he works on automotive components. And they did the exact same thing. I mean, it's people mm-hmm. like you, innovative people, thoughtful people that can pivot on a dime. That is what a story. And you're helping people too. So there were a lot of people who were doing that at the time. And, and there were other people that formed sort of like hubs, like the University of Wisconsin put out a design for a face shield and we used that design. Uh-huh. 
And, you know, that shields you from some liability because it's sort of like you're part of a, an emergency uh, sort of clearance for creating medical equipment. Normally, you wouldn't just start making medical equipment. Right. Yeah, you got to jump through all those other hoops that we just talked about. That's yeah. right. But but this was an extraordinary time. And, uh, and you know, I, I want to say the people who, who um, contributed by creating sort of hubs like Wisconsin did, uh-huh. uh, really impressive. Yeah. And so we did that for a little while, and then we kind of found a way to get back to work and and then we had really terrible wildfires in, oh, in Santa Cruz. That's it, right. No, horrible. Yeah. We almost had to evacuate the city because the fires got right up to the edge. And a whole lot of people were displaced from their homes and people died. It was really bad. The sky was dark orange oh, yeah. and the it's air horrible. quality was terrible. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so you're, you're thinking, like, startups are hard enough. <laughs> yeah, it's like pestilence. When are the frogs going to start falling from the sky? So that was hard. That was hard. Yeah. And Oh, my gosh. And, but, you know, we, we kept pushing through, and I had hoped to, to launch gasoline much sooner, um, but just then you start trying to order materials, and, um, and now we have supply, supply chain. Yeah. The supply chain started falling apart, oh, uh, and, and so you're trying to oh. get even the most simple things, even just tools, you might wait, you know, a long time to get them. Oh, yeah. So I don't I don't mean to complain. We pushed through all of it, but you asked for hardships. So uh, well, <laughs> yeah, just a few. You think? I mean, oh my goodness. Well, you know, this is a testament to innovation, people, their thoughtfulness, their resilience, ability to bounce back, and everything you shared there. I just the most average person would say, "Okay, I give up." I saw everything and everything in the stars is trying to make this not happen. But I, my hats off to you because this is a incredibly important thing that you're doing. And it's so cool. It's so cool. Well, let's talk a little bit about your passion for cars, because you sent me a picture of you with a Mustang. When you go to your website, this Mm -hmm. uh, animation has a very cool old Mustang. I think about, you know, the the bullet, Steve McQueen and all that. What's your special vehicle story? It better be a Mustang. (laughs) Oh, it's, you know, I I thought about this and I've, I've had a bunch of cars I've loved, but I think the one that I keep coming back to was this really basic, really, really cheap Nissan pickup truck. Oh, so we're not going to be. Okay. <laughs> you just make things hard, don't you? That's the way you like life. Okay. So I love our Mustang, a 68 Mustang Fastback. It's black with chrome. It's amazing. It's, it's, um, it is the sort of bullet style, but it's not the green with the blackout, right? It's the black with the chrome, and it looks really cool. Yeah. And it's really fun to drive. It's a stick. You know, it's, it's got a big V8, and it's sort of a retro mod, so it has a modern engine. Nice. But the, the car that's sort of near and dear to my heart is this Nissan pickup truck. It was like a little two-door, two-wheel drive pickup truck. It was so basic. I was, I was still in the Navy, and I was uh, trying to save up for college. Uh-huh. You know, because I had to use G- GI Bill and whatever I could save to go. And, and so um, I went, I, and I found this thing was a lost leader. I'm sure you know what a lost leader oh, yeah. is in a dealership. Yep, yep. And and so you see it, and it's like it's got nothing. I mean, I think it had like manual roll-up windows, and <laughs> and uh, usually those things sell right away. But I I planned ahead, you know, and I waited to see the announcement. I got there like I was at the door when they opened, and I was like, they can't, of course they try and steer you into a higher end model. I was like, I want this one. They're like, you know, it doesn't have this. I was like, don't care. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I want that and, one. It's cheap. And, and I got it, and I, and I you know, I was, uh, I drove uh, the heck out of that thing for years. Nice. I took road trips with it, carried all my stuff in the back, and and uh, it was just the best, most reliable little pickup truck. I loved it. Yeah. And the one particular story with it is, I was driving cross country, one of the two times I did with that truck, and I was driving from California to Virginia Beach uh, to change duty stations, and I was driving along the, I want to say it was the ten, right? Because you can take like the, oh, sure. the number all the way of, across, yeah. Yeah, and I was driving through Flagstaff, and I saw the the mountain was covered with snow, and I had never been skiing in my life. And I 
never had an opportunity. Uh-huh. And I was like, this is, this is what's so great about a road trip. I just pulled over, took an extra day and learned how to ski for the oh, first fun. time. Oh, fun. <laughs> <laughs> and then got yeah. back on the road. Yeah. You know, and I had, and, and it's the sort of the unexpected, uh, plus the, the sort of the, the wonderful kind of like, um, I mean, if you, if you like being alone with your own thought, you know, and as I do, um, just driving alone, cross country, going from one part phase of your life to another, it's, yeah. um, yeah, it's really satisfying. And I just, maybe that's why I love that truck so much. Well, in these days, there's so many other opportunities for listening to things. Of course, podcasts. And I can't tell you, Rob, how many people have uh, texted me or emailed me saying, hey, I'm driving across the country and I'm listening to your shows. Thank you for riding along with me. And, you know, it's just kind of fun. So this world of technology we live in now and communication enables those road trips to be even more special. So that's pretty darn cool, that little Nissan pickup truck. Now, I'm going to crawl into your head, which is a magical place, I can tell after this talk. Uh, I'm going to be your car psychologist. So I want to see what kind of vehicle you perceive yourself if you were manifest as a vehicle. The man in the mirror, this isn't what you want to be. This is the guy who you are. So what would Rob McGinnis be? Rob the Disruptor. I think I am like a 1990s Dodge Ram pickup with a million-mile Cummings engine that won't quit. Okay, I like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, that's perfect. Yeah, the like the little train that kept going. You know, just not gonna, you're not going to stop me. I'm going to find a way to get through. And you think about the Dodge Ram and your your service in the Navy, and yeah, I I see when, it. When I think of that, I think of that truck. I think of being covered with mud. Yeah, you know, and and just because uh, one thing that's been true of my career as an entrepreneur is that uh, I've had long stretches where uh, it's not clear at all that you're gonna you're gonna succeed. Of course. You know, that's that's the nature of entrepreneurship and you just have to keep pushing through. And so if I had like one superpower, it would be tenacity, you know, just not giving up. And so that's why I think of like one of those one of those diesel engines that you could just like you just punish them and they just keep going. And that's how it's felt for me sometimes to be that engine. Well, that's perfect. You thought that went through very well, my friend. Thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. You know, I like to ask people how they're giving back. Your whole premise of your business is about really giving back to the world, giving back to the planet giving back to people, offering alternatives that are safe and clean. Is that how you perceive Prometheus? Yeah, it, it is. I mean, so there are lots of people who are working in other areas that are exciting to them because they, you know, obviously you can make a lot of money in AI, in cryptocurrency and that kind of thing. But there's something fundamental about what we're trying to do with Prometheus. You know, essentially, I think that we, and maybe we won't be the only ones. I mean, I don't think anyone wants one company to produce all fuels, right? Right. But, we um we actually can solve the problem of climate change insofar as we can stop burning CO two you know emitting fossil fuels yeah like we can we can do better and and so that's a techno optimist view right and that mm-hmm. we can we can solve this problem with technology and then what's great about that is I'm imagining a new era of creativity in car design like um in the '60s you had all these really cool cars because people you know. People are getting better at building engines, you know, and, and you move from like the sort of the Bodhi engines of the 50s into like the Mustang, right? Which is and critically, the Mustang was, a, was an exciting car that an average person could afford. Right. Like a high school teacher could buy a Mustang. Yeah. And so the idea that we could go back to innovation, because what happened is you started having miles per gallon limitations, right? And, and they started, all the cars started to converge into looking the same. Right. And kind of the 70s power. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The 70s. And it's, you know, and then you have the, it's because of the oil embargo and the long lines you see in the historical records. And, and, you know, but what it did is it sort of like converged the cars towards 
economy and it's hard to sort of have the same style and power and excitement right and i kind of want to get us back to an opportunity to put in a big you know nationally aspirated v8 in there because who cares about miles per gallon if if the fuel is is a zero net carbon electric fuel and it's cheap yeah no kidding woohoo <laughs> i love yeah. it but but also just the think about what you could do if you could take all there's so much solar in the world right i mean so some people have talked about it. you could use a few hundred square miles of desert to power the whole united states for electricity you know, if you want to make all the fuel for the United States using electric fuels, you need more land. You need something like 30,000 square miles of desert. But that's like a fraction of a percent of Texas, right? for example. Yeah. And so imagine how much power there is from sun and wind. And if you could put that into something you can store for decades without having it degrade, you know, it's, it's a storage medium that can be used in almost any device. Think about all the things you could enable if we had more power that wasn't associated with, with damaging the environment. Um, I can imagine uh, all kinds of things beyond just exciting new cars. Um, you know, we're providing fuel to a company that's making a motor, a jet motorcycle, essentially a motorcycle that flies through the air hundreds of miles per hour. Oh my God. You know? <laughs> <laughs> evil Knievel style. Holy cow. You know, that, that's again, that's why I wanted to, to have you here because when I heard about what you're doing, I just went, this is again, seems like voodoo magic, but it's not. And it's real. And yeah, I can give you all kinds of examples of, of problems that have been solved like this before. Um, and it's just most people don't think about catalysts. You know, catalysts right. enable reactions to occur uh, in, in in a way that's fast and compact and and, um, yeah. and efficient. Um, but you know, we do all kinds of things like this now. It's just not something people think about. It's behind the scenes. And and all this tech tech we're using has been viable for probably you know five or six years at least. You know, the, the word catalyst is great because when I was a kid, I grew up in Southern California surfing, as I mentioned earlier. And I remember I my mom actually rented our garage out to this guy who was making surfboards. And I had surfboards, but I didn't really quite know how they were made. So I remember going out one day and he let me play around with some resins. And he says, I want to show you something. And he goes, pour this in there and then put a popsicle stick in it and now feel the cup. And it's like, whoa, it's like feels like it's on fire. And then you know, <laughs> yeah. and he goes, OK, now. Pour the cat and pour the resin out, and it was you know rock hard. And I remember just as a kid thinking, "It's like magic. What? How? How'd you do that?" And he was he was kind of a scientific guy for a long haired surfer kid, and he was explaining the, how catalysts work and everything. And mm -hmm. what you just said really brought that back—the magic of that and the reaction and what what can happen out of that. It's like fusion, you know. It's like um, any any other kind of thing that sets something else off. And that sounds like what you're doing at Prometheus. Yeah, chemistry has that that uh, as aspect to it. So the chemical demonstrations in classrooms with the foam exploding, oh, you yeah. know, <laughs> That's or adding, fun. adding like the volcano, a, yeah, yeah, or adding candy to a Coca Cola, or yeah. <laughs> or um, or having something just change color back and forth. Like right. it's it's you can do spectacles in a way that you, it's harder to do in other disciplines of chemistry. It seems like magic. I saw where uh, BMW was doing that with a paint where their vehicle could actually change colors. That was colors. really cool. With an app, that was really cool. Yeah, yeah. it's just it's cool. I, I should you know, I should shout out to BMW. They they uh, they let our A round. Um, there so, you go. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Well, those guys are awesome. Nice. Well, I've driven lots of BMWs. Got one in my garage right now. So uh, I like that nice. brand. Now, is there a great book that you would like to share with our listeners that you really enjoyed reading? Yeah, actually, we we're just kind of at the skirting of the edges of it. There's a book called The Alchemy of the Air, which is a really great book, uh, and it describes a problem in the 1920s and 30s where everyone was pretty sure we were going to starve to death collectively, right? It was yeah. the, this oh, yeah. idea of Th Thomas Malthus, the Malthusian trap, that we were just going to keep growing the population and run up against our ability to make food and just die through famine or, or war. And that was, that was a real 
uh, threat throughout all of human history. But what ended up happening is, is two a scientist and an engineer, Haber and Bosch, um, figured out a way to uh, make fertilizer from nitrogen in the air. And, and they essentially solved hunger, technically. Yeah. I mean, so when people when people don't have food now, it's usually an economic reason or because of warfare or something. It's not because we haven't been able to make enough food. And it's probably true that about 3 billion people on the planet would not be able to be alive if it hadn't been for Haber and Bosch um, solving this huge existential crisis with technology. And it's a it's a beautifully written book, and it, it describes that. And so so I, obviously there are parallels to, to making our energy with carbon from the air and solving the climate crisis. Yeah. Thomas Hager author that book. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. So I'm going to let you go in the ultimate drive before we leave here today. We're going to use your uh, clean fuel. That'll make it fun. I have an unlimited amount of funds, which makes it kind of fun for me. And that means I can buy you any vehicle you'd like. You can go anywhere you'd like, and you can be with anybody living or someone who's passed. What's the ultimate drive look like for a guy like you? Uh, I got this one. So this time it is the 68 fastback. Okay. That thing is, that's awesome. So we'd be driving and, and you know, my co-pilot, I think I would take Richard Fenneman. Okay. He's a f famous physicist. And what I would want to talk about as we're like eating Cheetos and <laughs> looking out the window is uh, faster than light travel. Oh my gosh. That would okay. be the best road trip I can imagine. Ah, uh, holy cow. I'd like to just sit in the back and listen to you guys talk. Richard Fenneman is uh, someone to meet. I mean, the guy's amazing. Uh, no kidding. Well, you're pretty amazing too, Rob. I, I got to tell you, you. you, you've taken us on an incredible journey today. You got me fired up and very excited about the future. And that's what we all need to be in this new year, despite what we put through the last two years. I really do think we're living in one of the most amazing times ever in mankind and uh, things are going to be okay. Before I let you go, could you share a success quote, a mantra, or some kind of words of inspiration for us as if you haven't inspired us enough today? Yeah, I, I think just to... to I will, but I want to say that I think there's reason for hope. If there's one takeaway from this you know, podcast, I would hope that people feel hope and optimism that we can actually solve the problems that are in front of us. I know things feel really dire right now, but that I think we can, we can do better. And we're going to really soon. There's a lot of really exciting things developing in medicine and energy um, that are going to make the world better. Um, so my mantra would be that you know, this is kind of targeted towards entrepreneurs because I imagine that there are people listening to this who might want to start their own companies is that you have to be willing to live in a world full of risk and uncertainty, no matter what size business or kind of business you start. And so if you're going to get comfor comfortable with that kind of risk and uncertainty, you might as well go for something that's really, really big. It's a dream as big as possible because the bigger your dream is and the more you're willing to tough it out through years of just not knowing if you're going to win or not, the more people that get drawn to your cause and want to work with you or want to fund you, um, but essentially, you have to be willing to depart from the conventional life script, you know, the conventional career paths, um, and you have to be willing to sort of stand alone and face the, you know, the, the chaos and, awesome. and, uh, and find some way to wrangle it. And so tenacity is the thing you should be looking for and a big, big dream to go after because you're going to suffer for a small business or a big business, a small dream or a big dream. So might as well go big. Might as well. Wow. What a, a great look into the future through the Rob, the dis the destroyer, Rob, the disruptor. <laughs> I won't say destroyer. Rob sounds like a Viking or something or, you know, but uh, yeah, Rob McGinnis's words of wisdom there. Uh, take those to heart because awesome, awesome, awesome. How can people learn more about what you're doing at Prometheus? I mean, so we are um, always adding new information to our website uh, and we uh, also have social media on Instagram. Um, and, and other other outlets, I do tweet uh, updates to people directly on Twitter, nice. Nice. and uh, and then we're always putting out 
<clears throat> demo videos and things, you know, whenever we think the timing is right uh, to show us doing some, some really cool stuff. Uh, and I think we're gonna be just going to pick up the pace on that as we go. No kidding. Absolutely. I'll put links to that on Rob Shonar's page. You can just go to Prometheus Fuels with an S dot com. Uh, get excited about the future because it's people like Rob that are going to make things happen that are making things happen. I want to do a shout out. Thank you to Nick Ellis at RPM Foundation for connecting me with Rob. Uh, Nick, thank you so much. You always bring some very inspirational people and the work that they're doing there at RPM Foundation is so important. Of course, they're a charity of choice here at Cars. Yeah, you've heard me talk about that this year. And of course, uh, your cohort there, Amanda Martinez, for helping set this up. Amanda, thank you very much. Rob, thank you for your wisdom, your optimism. Uh, Man, uh, you got me fired up, my friend. This is absolutely brilliant. Until you and I talk again, I'll see you down the road. Uh, Thank you very much for having me. It was a blast. This was super fun. Can't wait to hear what's next. TechForce is a charity of choice here at Cars Yeah. Auto techs are in high demand, but the supply? It's critically short. For every one tech who graduates school, there's five jobs waiting for them. Said another way, four technician jobs go unfilled for every technician graduate. Lots of young people love cars, but don't know how to turn that passion into their careers. TechForce Foundation shows them through career exploration, technical education, and the workforce development solutions. Join Cars yeah in supporting TechForce Foundation and its mission to solve the technician shortage by donating at techforce.org today. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars yeah. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah!